I'm glad you're here. I want to join Pastor Nicole in saying thanks for being here, everybody, especially our guests. It means a lot that you would worship with us here today. Uh, we're going to continue now the series that we began a number of weeks ago on the story of Elijah. And so I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week, and I want to uh, direct you to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings, it comes right before 2 Kings. 1 Kings chapter, okay, just seeing if you're with me. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'd like to share a message today called the broom tree. The broom tree. And um, <laughs> this is a very interesting moment in Elijah's life right here. Because Elijah is just coming off of a couple of really amazing experiences. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how he had a bit of a showdown against the prophets of Baal, however many there were. And, uh, okay, uh, you'd have to be there two weeks ago to know what I'm talking about. And, and God brought fire from heaven. Okay, that's a pretty good Sunday, right? And, and all the prophets of Baal, all the false prophets were killed. And then after that, God, uh, again, through Elijah, broke a three-year drought that had been in the land. Let's just say things are going good. For Elijah right now, would you agree? Things, things, are, things are good. Elijah's seeing results. You would think that nothing, <laughs> nothing could bring him down. And then we come to chapter 19. And I really believe that what we're about to uncover here today, a lot of us might really be able to relate to. And I want to show you what I mean. So if you're able to, could you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word as we take a look at this together? We're in 1 Kings chapter 19. This morning, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It's probably my second favorite translation. And I want to read that for you here today. If you don't have a Bible with you, or on your device, you could follow along on the screen here, okay? Y'all ready? Let's start in verse 1. When Ahab got home, he, uh, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by... This time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you killed them. Hashtag gonna kill ya. That's not in there. Message Bible. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, 
For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. That's my life verse, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I want to take you to your broom trees. I want to deal with your broom tree moments today. Because some of you have been, sit- some of you have been sitting underneath that solitary broom tree for a long time. And God has a word for you today. So Jesus, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of everyone hearing this message. And Lord, have your way in this place. God, will thank you for what you do. We'll give you all the praise because it all goes to you. All the, all the, everything goes to you, Lord. So we thank you. It's in your name, Lord Jesus. And we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Wow. How about that? So Elijah has just experienced some pretty amazing things. And now, shortly after, his emotions are not what you would expect them to be. He literally prays to die. Wow. Do you know that I have encountered a lot of followers of Jesus who have had some victories, they've had some answers to prayer, they've had some good moments, but shortly right after that, things changed. Some have never gotten over that change. Some have never gotten up from the broom tree. Some of us have stayed under the broom tree for days, weeks, months, dare I say, maybe even years. And it's God's will for you today to get up, get away from the broom tree, and go on to what God has for you. Can you say amen? So I want to break this story down in just three parts to make it even more relatable to you here today to kind of help us not only just read this story, but see how it pertains to us, okay? And again, let's, let's remind ourselves, this is man of God, Elijah, great prophet. God has used him to do significant things. This is not your average guy. This is not your average guy. This is Elijah. So I'm just going to preface everything by saying this. If it can happen to Elijah... It can happen to us. Okay? All right, let's break this down in a few parts. Number one, I want to take a look at the timing of this whole story, first of all. I've kind of alluded to it already. 
Wow. Verse 1. Here's the intro to our text. When Ahab got home, Ahab is the evil king who is trying to lead, or actually because of his bad influence, led the people of God to move from worship of God to worship of Baal, that Ahab. He goes home to Jezebel, his wife, who herself has a company of false prophets as well. This is not a good power couple. Would you say amen? Okay. So Ahab goes home to his wife Jezebel, and he told her everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he killed, Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal. So the timing of this, I think, is very interesting. Because Elijah will find himself under the broom tree, ready to quit, wanting to die, ready to give up. This is right after he has literally seen fire fall from heaven. This is right after he has seen God miraculously change drought conditions into a pouring rain. He has seen this with his own eyes. Isn't it wild the great lengths that the enemy will go to to try to ruin our victories? Should I say that again? It is interesting the great lengths that the enemy will go to to try to ruin your victories. I've heard this said, and I want to share it with you. This is not original, but it's powerful. No victory in heaven will go unchallenged in hell. Let me say it again. No victory in heaven will go unchallenged in hell. Now, that doesn't mean you got to walk around in fear. We're going to get to that. That doesn't mean you got to be terrified. Oh, no, I had a blessing. Now I'm going to get it. You know, that, that's, not, that's not the mentality that we need to have. Okay? But you look at the story and you realize that when we have victory, we become prime targets for the enemy. You know when you should pray for your pastor the most? When he's had a good service. Pray for me every day if you would, please. Please. When you've had an answer to prayer, you need to be aware that the enemy will try to take advantage of that and try to defeat you. Again, how many coaches do we have in here? Athletic coaches. Can I see your hands? How many of you saw somebody coach a game one time in your life? May I see your hands? Okay, good. Oh, mercy sakes. Well, you, all right. All right. Well, I coached basketball. You've heard me say this before. When Jonathan was younger, he was my point guard. And, and, and while it was funny, sometimes he and I, before a game, we would uh, kind of scout the other team. And we would, what would we do? We would try to see where the other team was weak. If I saw a kid that couldn't move to his left very well, I would tell Jonathan, go to that kid's left and beat him. And I mean, not physically beat him, no. That was after the game. No, I'm kidding. No. I said, go to the kid's left and let's just take advantage of that. Let's take advantage where they are weak. If 
they had these little guys that were playing down low. I had some big brutes. Get it to our big Goliath guys and let's have some fun. What was I doing as a coach? I was looking to exploit the weakness of the opponent. What does the enemy do? Not that I'm trying to compare myself to the devil here. (laughs) I get enough of those emails, but uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. What does the enemy do? The enemy tries to, to take advantage of where we are weak. And a lot of times we are very, very vulnerable right on the heels of victory. No victory in heaven will go unchallenged in hell. So the timing of this as, is actually not strange at all. But that leads me not only from the time, but timing, but let's take a look at Elijah's troubles. And to be honest with you, they were many. And to be honest with you, I think some of these we can relate to. And, and we see them, and we will see them in the next few verses that we read, verses 2, 3, and 4. It's going to be very interesting when we take a look at just how similar this might be to our lives. You see, Elijah had a number of things he was dealing with. I think some of us will find that some of the same emotions and some of the same feelings and some of the same difficulties he was facing is what brings us to our broom trees. Let me share them with you. Number one, oh, he had an adversary. He had an adversary. The queen, Jezebel, she was not happy. Not at all. Verse 2 tells us, So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, her false gods, by the way, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow. Be careful what you say, by the way. Just thought I'd share that. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I will tell you that Elijah felt very threatened by Jezebel. Now, I'm not going to get into a big dissertation on Jezebel. It would be a fascinating message for another time. But I will tell you this, that we actually have a very real adversary that we deal with on a daily basis here. Now, if you know me, you know that I am not a demon under every rock kind of guy, okay? If you sneeze, I'm not going to rebuke the spirit of hay fever. Chances are you have a cold, okay? But on the flip side, I think it is to our peril that we do not recognize the fact that there is an enemy who wants to, as Jesus said, In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his agenda for you. If you think for a moment, I'm just going to say this. If you think for a moment that the enemy of your soul, if you think for a moment that sin has any other agenda for you than this, you've been deceived. 
It seems so fun. It seems like, I, wow, I really enjoy this. No, the enemy is trying to steal from you. He is trying to kill you. He is trying to destroy everything that God has done in your life. Jezebel here is a great representation of the devil today. And a lot of times I've met uh, uh, followers of Jesus who are so afraid of the enemy. We're afraid of the devil. You need not be afraid of the devil. I, can I remind you that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? Now, the enemy is ruthless. But if, if you've got this mentality that there's this like spiritual tug of war between God and Satan, two equal parts going at it, okay, stop. Okay, the enemy is a created being. Okay, it's like comparing a hand grenade to a nuclear bomb. Hear me. God's greater. God is greater. The enemy might be powerful, but God is greater. Sin might have a pull, but God is still greater. And so let's, let's not live terrified of our adversary. Secondly, he not only had an adversary, he was also very afraid. He was very afraid. Literally, verse 3 says that Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Verse 3. The man that stood up to the prophets of Baal, however many there were. The man who stood up to all the false prophets and saw God destroy them all. Hear me. Saw them destroyed, all of them by God. Now he finds himself in verse 3, absolutely terrified. 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 That's it's kind of like it's how I like my chicken. Terrified. Terrified. And verse 3, he totally fled for his life. What's interesting, and I want you to hear this, uh, fear and intimidation, it may not kill you spiritually, but it will cripple you spiritually. It's like a sprained ankle. I already asked about the athletic prowess of this crowd, so I dare not ask if anyone... Has sprained an ankle. I have both ankles on both sides. Uh, basketball injuries. <laughs> I should know better. Uh, I will tell you, it's one thing. When you have a sprain, uh, it's hard. It's hard to move. It's hard to walk. It's hard for that to heal. I had one doctor tell me a break would be Easier to heal than a sprain, especially since I sprained both ankles. Uh, not at the same time, but... And, uh, and, and it, it limits you when you sprain uh, any part of your body. And that's what fear does. Fear might not kill you, but it will cripple you. It'll stunt your growth. It'll cause you to walk with a limp in your walk with God. Can I ask you today, what consumes you? Is there anything in your life that consumes you with fear? Are you intimidated by people? 
Are you intimidated by a boss? Are you intimidated by circumstances? Let me tell you, the enemy will try to throw those moments and those things into your life to try to, not just to try to make you feel bad. Okay, do you understand that the enemy is not just trying to make you feel yucky? Okay, the thief did not come to make you feel yucky. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy. So that's his plan. And he will use fear to get to that level. What scares you? I'm not talking about a fear of spiders or a fear of ladders, but I mean, what really intimidates you? The Lord, I believe, delivers us from our fears. The scripture talks all about it. The Lord said that when you walk through the water, I'll be with you. When you walk through the flames, you'll not get burned. So fear not. Fear not. What was the what was often the first phrase? We're coming to the Christmas season, okay? When the angels would appear, uh, what was often the first phrase? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I think God's word for us today is fear not. Next, he was not only, uh, he not only had an adversary, he was not only afraid, he was also alone. He was alone. The rest of verse 3 says, He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He left his servant there. Can I speak to the people who feel that the best remedy for you when you are down, when you're mad, when things haven't gone your way, may I speak to the people who think that the best thing to do is to distance yourself from the rest of the body of Christ. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. God created this. You see this here? Students, God brought you to Chi Alpha for a reason. Not just to have some place to go on Thursday nights. Not just because of your discipleship group. God knows how important it is that you all grow in community. The local church. What is the local church about? Is it about coming to hear some guy rant and yell with his points starting with the same letter? Brilliantly, by the way, but his points with the same letter? No, no. This is about us doing life together. And so if we think that we're going to improve by distancing ourselves from the rest of of the body of Christ, I will tell you, we make ourselves susceptible to even more attack. I think it was on Saturday nights that my family used to gather around the TV. We didn't have a remote control back then. I was the remote control back then. Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we would see Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Now, the millennials in here, you have no idea how cool that show was. Hosted by a man by, a man by the name of Marlon Perkins, okay? Marlon Perkins, not only would he send his trusty assistant, Jim, out to basically get swallowed by a hippo while he was safe in the helicopter. I'm still not sure how Jim survived all those moments, but hear me. Hear me, all the time when we would watch, when we would watch Wild Kingdom, we knew what was coming. 
Because there would be the herd of zebras. And then the one zebra would get away from the rest of the pack. What would happen? That was the one that would get attacked by the lion. The enemy, the, 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 the prowler, the enemy, the, the, the lion, the cheetah, the hyena, they were not going to go against the entire pack. I watched a lot of Wild Kingdom and best show ever. That one, they wouldn't attack the whole pack. They'd get stomped. But they could find one. That was dinner. You know, I'm reminded that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That is precisely what he tries to do. Elijah was in this compromised state emotionally, and I don't believe it helped him to be by himself. Nobody was near him. It's a terrible thing to try to do a walk with God, isolated from everybody else. There's times of solitude, don't get me wrong. There's times that we need to be alone with God, okay? But that's not the entirety of your Christian experience. We are wired, we are created to do life together. We weep when one of us weeps. We rejoice when one of us rejoices. We, 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 we pray for one another. You saw that here just a few moments ago. We, we pray for one another. We, we're, we love one another. That, that's, that's what this is about. And to isolate ourselves from that. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe there's somebody you don't like. Maybe you don't like the preacher. But, but you, you cannot. You can't, and if you, if you don't like me, call me. Uh, seriously, call me. We'll talk it out. I'm a nice guy. And, and, but if, if, if you are using any of those things to distance yourself from the rest of the body, do you know what you're doing? You're, you're making yourself susceptible to attack from the devil. Lastly, one of his troubles, I use this word, he was He was aimless. This man of great faith and power. This man who called fire down from heaven. This man whom God used to say, there's not going to be any rain or dew in the land. Was the same one on the other end that said, here comes the rain. That guy. That guy found himself saying in verse 4, that he went on alone into the wilderness. Mm, please don't go in the wilderness alone. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed. This man of great faith, this man of great power, this man of great experience, he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Wow. Wow. It's kind of hopeless. I've met too many followers of Jesus Christ who've been in a hopeless state. They just want to die. They don't want to go on. They don't think that there's anything left for them. 
so I give up. I have friends in ministry. I've been doing this for a while. I have friends in ministry that are under the broom tree. And they're not even in their position of ministry anymore. Some aren't even serving the Lord anymore. Because they still find themselves under one solitary broom tree. Hear me, friend. God has something for you still. Don't fall for the lies that say that you can't go on. Don't fall for the untruths that say that you have nothing to live for. Oh, you do. You do. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. And I'm going to say it again. If it can happen to an Elijah, it can happen to us. Some of you might be there right now. What do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves under the broom tree? We've got this very real adversary that has intimidated so much that we are so afraid that we don't know how to act anymore. We're, we're crippled with our fear. We, we've, we've got this feeling in us, and, and because we've isolated ourselves, there's nobody near us to help us anymore, and now we just want to give up. What do we do? I'm really glad you asked. Because I want to close this message with Elijah's test. Elijah's test. Because here's the deal. You ready for this? Elijah very much could have stayed under that broom tree. No matter what God said. Oh man, please hear me. Please hear me. God's not going to force you to go anywhere. God's not going to force you to do anything. God's not going to make you do one thing. Not at all. You've got to make the choice. God has something for you. God has a plan. In fact, maybe this message is the prescription that God wants to write for you to get out of your broom tree experience, but you have got to obey what God is wanting you to do. Do you hear me today? I can't believe that, can't believe that I still feel this way. Well, did you do what God told you to do? No. Obey him. I don't want to. And I can't believe he's letting me feel so terrible. So what's God's word? God's word is this. Number one, get up. Get up. Every parent has told their child this, get up. Every wife has told their husband, get up. And that got a bigger amen than the kid thing. That's funny. That was great. So, so here we go. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. And I'm going to wrap this up real quick. He lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Eat. 
he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked. Sorry, keto people. It was uh, bread baked on hot coals in a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he laid down. You know what God's word is for you? This is no time to quit. This is no time to quit. You've seen too much to give up now. You've experienced too much. Look, if, well, I haven't seen fire come down from heaven. I haven't made it rain. Has God saved you? If the answer is yes, then you have seen too much to give up now. You have seen too much to quit now. But I dare say that in this room, we've seen God do a whole lot more. We've seen God heal people in this room. I know I sat or I stood next to you at your hospital bed. We have seen God bring relationships back together. We have seen God. God set people free from addiction. People in this room, you've seen too much to give up now, Elijah. Don't give up now. Don't sit under that broom tree and stay there. Get up. Get up. Get up. Quit acting like you're a victim. Oh, did I say that? I did. I can't stand the victim mentality. That goes against everything the Bible has to say. You are not a victim. You are a victor in Jesus Christ. So lose the victim mentality. It's time to get up. And for some of us, some of us are getting mad at me because, well, you don't understand my feelings. Look, I don't know everything you're going through, but here's, here's what I know. I've met too many Christians who are their own. I don't know who this is for, but I've met too many Christians who are their own worst enemy. And you have stayed under that broom tree so long, even the devil said, I was fine with her getting up three years ago. You enjoy the tree. Get up. Get up. Get up. No more victim mentality. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. No matter what your circumstances, Paul said this, and we can echo that, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you can do it. So get up. Secondly, fill up. Fill up. Here comes my life verse again. (laughs) Verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. Hallelujah. (laughs) How appropriate on Thanksgiving week that we're looking at that verse. Huh? Get up and eat some more. All right. Yes, Lord. I will follow you. But he said, look, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So what did God do? God provided, you ready for this? God provided a way for Elijah to be nourished in order to make the journey that God had for him to make. I'm going to say it again slower. God provided for Elijah the nourishment that Elijah needed to make the journey that God wanted him to make. Your nourishment might not be found on a bunch of hot stones, a loaf of bread and water. 
But God has given you the nourishment (laughs) that you need to make the journey that God has for you. This is the time. If you're under that broom tree, you hear me today. If you're ready to give up, if you're intimidated and frightened and hurting and discouraged, okay, I get it, but don't you dare stay there. You got to get up and you got to nourish yourself with the truth of the word of God. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of us, the reason why we're sitting underneath that broom tree is because we believe the lies. We believe the lies. The enemy has whispered lies or maybe even shouted lies to us for so long that we've believed all the deception and we've believed things about ourselves and things about our God that are contrary to what the Word of God has. If you start believing the lies, you're going to find yourself believing those lies underneath the broom tree, far from what God wants you to do. But if you're there, this is the time that you got to breathe in the truth and you got to exhale the lies. You got to gorge yourself on truth. You got to hit that truth like your pastor would hit a buffet at the Golden Corral, baby. I'm telling you what, I hit that plate, I get to my table and then I say, wow, they have ribs here. And, and, you just, you just, it's, uh, it's terrible. But you have got to absolutely gorge yourself on the word of God. I believe I heard it in this book that if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. We got to know the truth you got to nourish yourself with what God's provided. He's provided his word. Lastly today, and Jonathan, if you can help me out here, it's time to move up. It's time to get up. (laughs) It's time to get up. (laughs) Silence your phone. It's time to get up. It's time to fill up, but it's time to move up. It's time to move up. There's something here I want you to catch. There's something here I want you to catch. Look at verse 8. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. The mountain of God. You know where do you know where God did not lead Elijah to? Another broom tree? Oh, come on. See, because too many Christians they'll hear a message like this and say, Oh, I, I gotta I gotta make some changes. There's another broom tree right there. Can't believe God's not doing nothing for me. It's because you didn't go where God wanted you to go. You just stayed where it was comfortable. Oh. 
He just stayed where it was comfortable. You, your identity has been so wrapped up in that broom tree that you can't see yourself going anywhere else but another broom tree. This isn't even in my notes, so I'm not sure who this is for, but you got to hear me. It's time to go to the mountain of God. It's time to go to the mountain of God. It's time to go where you have experienced the presence of God before. It's time to get to the place that you were once before when you experienced the greatness and the power of God. Maybe where you heard spiritually how people have been blessed because they sought God, because they were seeking his face, because they were diving into his word. It's time to move up from where you're at. So don't just stand there. Don't say, wow, that's really motivating. And then sit back down. You got to get up you got to fill up, but you got to move up. God's not done with you yet. I don't care how loud Jezebel screams. God's not done with you. I don't care how powerful the enemy tries to come off. God's not done with you. I don't care how uncomfortable it might feel. I don't care how scary it might seem to you. If I move from this tree, am I going to die? Just obey God. Let him deal with the consequences of your obedience. Oh, let me say it again. Obey God. Let him deal with the consequences of your obedience. But get up. Get up. Your identity is not in the broom tree. Get up. And gorge yourself on the truth. God gave it to you for that reason. But it's time to move on. God's got another place for you to go. This is not the last we hear of Elijah. God had more for him to do. God had a successor for him that he had to uh, find himself. That comes later. But for now, understand that you may, huh, you may not even know. Oh, get this. You may not even know what God has in store for you. That's okay. Just follow the Lord. Just go where God is and get as close to God as you can possibly get. It's time to get up. It's time to fill up. Time to move up. Elijah, I don't want you in that broom tree any longer. It's not God's plan for you. Not at all. So I wonder today how many of us might be under a broom tree for some reason. Maybe because of some of the troubles that we identified that Elijah was going through. God wants to meet with you today. He wants to meet with you today. He says, get up, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit now. Don't quit. You've seen too much. I've done too much. Get up. Get consumed with the truth of God. Fill your life up with the truth of God's word. And it's time to move. I got, I got another plan for you, Elijah. I got another plan. You don't even know it yet, but I got a plan for you. Just follow my lead. Can someone say amen to this? Will you stand with me? Did you get anything out of this today? So Elijah, oh, Elijah, you're discouraged, you're intimidated, you're ready to give up. 
Oh, you are at the right place at the right time today because God wants you to take wants to take you from that broom tree. You're not supposed to stay there. So today, I want you to meet with God. I want you to talk to God, Elijah. And maybe you've been kind of mad at God because things got uncomfortable for you, and so maybe you need to break the silence finally. God will accept you. And God's not... Hear me. God is not standing with arms folded say, just try to get through to me. No. He is standing with arms wide open, ready to accept you back, Elijah. He's ready to take you from that broom tree. He's got a plan for you. So I want to give you a chance today to pray to God exactly why you're in that situation, why you're under that broom tree. Today is the day to meet with him. But when you walk out of here, that broom tree stays behind, and you're going to the mountain of God. You're going to the place that God has for you. God's got a plan for you. Can you say amen? So if you need to pray, if you need to talk to the Lord, I want to invite you when I say amen to do that, either come to this altar area, maybe you want to pray at your seat. We're just going to make this a place of prayer. But let's ask God to move us from the broom trees that are in our lives. Jesus, I'm asking you now, God, your word is so powerful. I ask you, Lord God, that you would meet with your people that are in the broom tree situations. God, those that are hurting, discouraged, they're intimidated, they're full of fear. Life has been rough on them. People have been bad to them. Whatever the case might be, whatever brought them to that tree. Lord, I pray that now today we would get up and we'd realize that's not where you want us. Not emotionally, not mentally, not spiritually. That's not where you want us. And God, you want to just reveal your truth through your word. I pray that your word, God, would come alive in people's lives. And Jesus, I pray that we would move from where we're at to the mountain of God, to the place where your presence is strong. And God, you're not done with me. You're not done with me. Pray that prayer. God, you're not done with me. You're not done with me. So Jesus, meet with your people, I pray. And do your work now, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to meet with God, do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship in the hallway. God bless you. We love you. Let's see.